Welcome all to Keeping It Real. Today's episode about Joe Dispenza will enlighten you to the power of the mind. Dr. Joe Dispenza holds a Bachelor of Science degree and is a Doctor of Chiropractic. His postgraduate training includes the fields of neuroscience and neuroplasticity, epigenetics, mind-body medicine, and brain-heart coherence. As a researcher, lecturer, author, and corporate consultant, his interest lies in demystifying the mystical so that people have all the tools within their reach to make measurable changes in their lives. Is it possible to heal by thought alone without drugs or surgery? Well, the truth is, it happens more often than you might expect. Dr. Joe Dispenza shares numerous documented cases of those who reverse cancer, heart disease, depression, crippling arthritis, and even the tremors of Parkinson's disease by believing in a placebo. Similarly, Dr. Joe tells of how others have gotten sick and even died, the victims of a hex or a voodoo curse, or after being misdiagnosed with a fatal illness. Belief can be so strong that pharmaceutical companies use double and triple blind randomized studies to try to exclude the power of the mind over the body when evaluating new drugs. Dr. Joe does more than simply explore the history and psychology of the placebo effect. He asked the question, is it possible to teach the principles of the placebo and without relying on any external substance, produce the same internal changes in a person's health and ultimately in his or her life? This is why I am so interested in this man in particular is his scientific studies and diving into the placebo effect and the power of our beliefs. Now, obviously, it's been scientifically validated for much longer than Joe Dispenza has been alive or around. The placebo effect has been in use for a gold standard of testing results with double and triple blind placebo testing on drugs, pharmaceuticals, injections, all sorts of things um, forever. So since this testing has been around forever and they know the power of the mind is utterly amazing, Shouldn't we think that it's possible if we could control our thoughts that we could control the power of healing ourselves? People are cured in these placebo trials. They think they got the real pharmaceutical drug and cure diseases. You know, as I read the list to you all ago, unbelievable stuff happens. The people get a sugar pill or a saline injection and a miracle happens. They think they took the drug and through the power of their own mind, they cure themselves. Yep, it's amazing, but it's true. And a lot of people don't really understand the power of this effect. So today I'm introducing you to Joe Dispenza and his work on the placebo effect and much more than just that. He's done studies, meditations, workshops on this effect and many other scientific things that I will let him explain up and coming here as we dive into some of his material. I'll let you hear from him speaking with Tom Bilyeu, an interview that he did on impact theory. 
um, his own personal videos of Reprogram the Mind and him speaking at conferences. I've taken excerpts from all these different things, and I have a compilation of some different stuff for you to listen to to gain a better knowledge of who Joe is. And also, possibly, you may learn how to use some of these things to your own benefit. Hey, why not? We're here. We're here to learn. We might as well use that knowledge to our own benefit. Knowledge can be power if it is applied. Yep. Knowledge ain't shit if you don't use it. Now, please try not to get too upset. Some of these video clips that I pulled sound fabulous, but some of them sound like dog shit. But the material, what he's talking about, it's gold. It's worth suffering through a little bit of some shitty audio to get the message. Trust me on that. So in this first message, I am going to let you hear from Mr. Dispenza. He is talking about how you can live a better lifestyle through controlling your mind. As I said, 70% of the time, people live in stress. And living in stress is living in survival. Now, all organisms in nature can tolerate short-term stress. You know, a deer gets chased uh, uh, by a pack of coyotes. When it outruns the coyotes, it goes back to grazing and the event is over. And the definition of stress is when your brain and body are knocked out of balance, out of homeostasis. The stress response is what the body innately does to return itself back to order. So you're driving down the road. Someone cuts you off. You jam on the brakes. You may give them the finger. And then you settle back down and the event is over and boom. Now everything's back, back to normal. But what if it's not a predator that's waiting for you uh, outside the cave? But what if it's your coworker? sitting right next to you and all day long you're turning on those chemicals because they're pushing all your emotional buttons when you turn on the stress response and you can't turn it off now you're headed for disease because no organism in nature can live in emergency mode for that extended period of time it's a scientific fact that the hormones of stress downregulate genes and create disease, long-term effects. Human beings, because of the size of the neocortex, we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible that our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. So then what are the emotions that are connected to survival? Let's name them. Anger, aggression, hostility, hatred, competition, fear, anxiety, worry, pain, suffering, guilt, shame, unworthiness, envy, jealousy. Those are all created by the hormones of stress. And, and psychology calls them normal human states of consciousness. I call those altered states of consciousness. So then we tend to remember those traumatic events more because in survival, you better be ready if it happens again. That's, and, and when the survival gene is switched on, you could have 10 really great things that happen to you in your day. And you just have one bad thing that happens and you cannot take your attention off that bad, that, that unhappy thing because survival gene is switched on. Many years ago, after the DNA helix was discovered by Watson and Crick, uh, they said the blueprints of life, you know, all diseases are created from genes. 
turns out less than 5%, more like 1% of people on the planet are born with a genetic condition like type 1 diabetes or Tay-Sachs disease or sickle cell anemia. The other 95 to 99% are created by lifestyle and by choices. You can take two identical twins, exact same genome. One dies at 51, the other one dies at 85. <laughs> same gene, different environment. So all of a sudden they said, we lied. That was wrong. It's not genes that create disease. It's the environment that signals the gene that creates disease. Well, okay. But that's not the whole truth, too, because you could have two people working side by side in the same factory. One gets cancer after being exposed to a carcinogenic for 25 years. Both working for 25 years, the other one has no cancer at all. So there must be some internal order that would cause one person to not get it while another one does. So is it possible then, if the environment signals the gene, and it does, and the end product of an experience in the environment is called an emotion, can you signal the gene ahead of the environment by embracing an elevated emotion? We've done the research on this. where We've measured 7,500 different gene expressions in a group of people that came to an advanced event for four days. And we had them doing a seated meditation, a walking meditation, a laying down meditation, a standing meditation. And at the end of four days, just four days, the common eight genes that were upregulated, two genes to suppress cancer cells and tumor growth, two genes for neurogenesis, the growth of new neurons in response to novel experiences and learning, the gene that signals stem cells to go to damaged areas and repair them, the gene for oxidative stress was upregulated. We started seeing all these genes that are very, very healthy to cause the body to flourish. Imagine if people were doing that for three months. We also measured telomeres, the little uh, shoestrings on the end of DNA that tell us our biological age. We asked people to do the work, meditation, five out of seven days for 60 days. Measure their telomeres to determine their biological age. 60 days later, 74% of the people lengthen their telomeres. 40% significant change. 20% a very remarkable change. That means that they got a little bit of their life back. If it had lengthened by 10%, they got 10% of their life back. So that's some pretty heavy stuff, huh? Your thoughts can control your gene expression. I mean, you can literally have toxic stress killing you. It's amazing what your thoughts can do. So getting control of those thoughts is a very important thing. You consider it could lengthen your life or it can shorten your life depending on the stress you're under and the negativity of your thoughts. Try and turn those around and get to where you're staying more in a state of positive thoughts and stay away from the negativity. It's a it's killer, y'all. Okay, so Mr. Dispenza is going to share with us what we can do about the conditions surrounding us in our own little world. What is the prescription? What are the things that we can do for change? The Tonian world is all about the predictable. It's all about predicting a future. But the quantum model of reality is, is about causing an effect. The moment you start feeling abundant and worthy, you are generating wealth. The moment you're empowered and feel it, you're beginning to step towards your success. The moment you start feeling whole, your healing begins. And when you love yourself and you love all of life, you will create an equal. And now you're causing an effect. 
And I think that's the, the difference between living as a victim in your world, saying, I am this way because of this person or that thing or this experience. They made me think and feel this way. When you switch that around, you become a creator of your world. And you start saying, my thinking and my feeling is changing an outcome in my life. And now that's a whole different game. And we start believing more that we're creators of reality. How do we then go from that, like mechanistically, mm -hmm. to begin this visualization process of something that's empowering? <clears throat> it's me in a different state. It's my future self. Is it meditation? Is sure. it, what does that look like? If you're not being defined by a vision of the future, then you're left with the old memories of the past and you will be predictable in your life. And if you wake up in the morning and you're not being defined by a vision in the future, as you see the same people and you go to the same places and you do the exact same thing at the exact same time, it's no longer that your personality is creating your personal reality. Now your personal reality is affecting or creating your personality. Your environment is really controlling how you think and feel unconsciously because every person, every thing, every place, every experience has a neurological network in your brain. Every experience that you have with every person produces an emotion. So some people will use their boss to reaffirm their addiction to judgment. They'll use their enemy to reaffirm their addiction to hatred. They'll use their friends to reaffirm their addiction to suffering. So now they need the outer world to feel something. So to change then is to be greater than your environment, to be greater than the conditions in your world. And the environment is that seductive. So then why is meditation the tool? Well, let's sit down, let's close our eyes. Let's disconnect from your outer environment. So if you're seeing less things, there's less stimulation going to your brain. If you're playing soft music or you have earplugs in, less sensory information coming to your brain. So you're disconnecting from your environment. If you can sit your body down and tell it to stay like an animal, stay right here. I'm going to feed you when we're done. You can get up and check your emails. You can do all your texts. But right now, you're going to sit there and obey me. So then... When you do that properly and the, you're not eating anything or smelling anything or tasting anything, you're not up experiencing and feeling anything, you would have to agree with me that you're being defined by a thought, right? So when the body wants to go back to its emotional past and you become aware that your attention is on that emotion and where you place your attention is where you place your energy, you're siphoning your energy out of the present moment into the past and you become aware of that. And you settle your body back down in the present moment because it's saying, well, it's eight o'clock. You normally get upset because you're in traffic around this time. And here you are sitting and we're used to feeling anger and you're off schedule. Oh, it's 11 o'clock and you usually check your emails and judge everybody. Well, the body's looking for that, that predictable chemical state. Every time you become aware that you're doing that and your body is craving those emotions and you settle it back down into the present moment, you're telling the body. It's no longer the mind, that you're the mind. And now your will is getting greater than the program. And if you keep doing this over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, just like training a stallion or a dog, it's just going to say, huh, I'm going to sit. And the moment that happens, the body's no longer the mind. When it finally surrenders, there's a liberation of energy. We go from particle to wave, from matter to energy, and we free ourselves from the chains of those emotions that keep us in the, in the familiar past. And we've seen this thousands of times. In fact, we can actually predict it now on a brain scan. A consistent meditation practice. That is definitely something I have never taken up. 
But listening to Joe makes me want to do it simply so I can have control over myself and then my surroundings instead of the world controlling the way that I feel. Fuck that. But I guess if you're not conscious of it, if you don't learn how to control it, then you are at the whim of everything else happening around you. It's the monkey mind and control. You just react constantly. So what he's saying makes perfect sense. All right, next up, Mr. Dispenza will talk about investing in yourself, which is great because we were just basically talking about that. So now let's hear what he has to say about putting it into action. When I'm going through change in my life or I have a specific outcome that I want to create, I love to get up early in the morning. That's my time. I'm a 4.30 in the morning guy because that's my time. The rest of the day I'm serving, but... I love getting up early and changing and working and and having some time to myself. And I believe that when I invest in myself, I invest in my future. And that time in in my morning, nobody bothers me because that's my time. And because of brain waves and brain chemistry, the door between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind is more open. And so if I get up early and I'm kind of between theta and alpha, I don't have to work as hard. I'm not thinking. I just kind of relax into the moment. In the evening, I always ask myself, how did I do? How was one lifetime in one day? Where did I fall from grace? What happened? (laughs) And so then when I look at seeing how I reacted to someone or something, or I made the choice that I could have made a better choice, I naturally, and we all do this, begin to think, well, if the same situation happened again, how would I do it differently? And that's the act of beginning to come up with a new plan. The act of rehearsing it in your mind begins to install the circuits in your brain, priming your brain so that when the next experience happens, you could modify your behaviors to do a better job in life. That's called plasticity. So it doesn't matter for me what meditation I do any longer. I like to just get up in a new state of being. I have people say to me, hey, um, I missed my meditation today. Like I'm supposed to go like this or something. I say to them, eyes open or eyes closed. You know, well, eyes open or eyes closed. You know, when you're passionate about something, you know, when people can't get up in the morning and they can't get out of bed, I'm going to tell you why. Because they can predict the feeling of everything that's going to happen in their life and their bodies resigned to the familiar. It says, oh, another mundane day. But remember when you were a kid and you were going on a field trip? What happened then? You were up and dressed and ready to go before your parents were up. You know why? Because you knew something unexpected was going to happen. That's how we should live our lives. Waking up with the understanding to expect the unexpected and something unusual should happen in our life as a result of our efforts. And it's just those beginning moments where it begins to happen that we begin to prove to ourselves how powerful we really are. So take time in the morning and the evening and the rest of the day. Check in with yourself at certain times to see if you're still in that energy. And if you're not, excuse yourself for a second raise your energy and step back into your life if you keep doing that over and over again you'll become less frustrated less impatient less judgmental it'll just become something of the past and you'll be someone else being present like you were when you were a kid now that is something that would be very difficult to pull off but i can relate to what he's saying because i remember like christmas morning what do you do you jump up out of bed early you're 
eager and present in the moment to open gifts or on a birthday or say you have a trip planned to go to the amusement park like Six Flags or you're going to Disney World or something like that or you're going on a fun trip to uh, some outdoor get together with your mom and dad, whatever those events, you can remember being very present, very in the moment as a child. And it's hard to recapture that presence as an adult and be in the moment. So captured, so resigned from thinking about anything else, but just that. I mean, having the mind of a child would be a freaking gift, but when you get to be an adult, All you do is think all the time about the past and about the future. And it's hard to come right back to the present moment and nothing else getting in the fucking way. Next up, Mr. Dispenza will talk to us about uncertainty and the unknown future. What is to come? What to think about it? Here we go. The hardest part about change is not making the same choice as you did the day before. And the moment you decide to no longer think the same way, make the same choice, act the same way, create the same experience, or live by the same emotion, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel unfamiliar. There is going to be a certain amount of uncertainty and unpredictability. And the moment you feel uncomfortable, you just stepped into the river of change. Now, most people, the moment they feel uncomfortable, they return back to the familiar state of the mind and body. They start thinking the same way, acting the same way, feeling the same way, and they say, this feels right. No, in fact, that feels familiar. Now, going from the old self to the new self is the neurological is the chemical, is the biological, is the hormonal, and even genetic death of the old self. That void, that place of uncertainty, that unknown, is the perfect place to create it. And if you and I can become comfortable in that unknown and begin to decide who we do want to be, in other words, many people say when they're in that unknown, I can't predict my future, this doesn't feel right. Well, the best way to predict your future is to create it. Not in the known, but in the unknown. So what if you said now, what thoughts do I want to fire and wire in my brain? What behaviors do I want to demonstrate? And if you were to close your eyes and begin to think about how you were going to act, the mere act of mentally rehearsing who you're going to be begins to install the neurological circuits in your brain to look like the experience has already occurred. Now, what that means is that the brain is primed in its circuitry to no longer be living in the past, but now living in the future. So rehearse, rehearse and rehearse some more the future that you want. Think about it, meditate on it. This is a way to start the wiring process and plastically alter the way your brain is structured. It's hard to believe that it's possible, but through science, this guy has proven over and over again that his techniques work. And that was some good info on how to do it. Okay, next up, we must learn how to ditch our old baggage. Our old self must be gotten rid of. How do we do it, Joe? 
You can't go to the future holding on to the biology of your past. Decide what thoughts you can bring to your future. Write them down. Thoughts like, I can't. It's too hard. I'll never change. I'll start tomorrow. What's wrong with me? It's someone else's fault. Decide on what behaviors or actions or unconscious habits you have to change. How do you talk? Do you complain? Do you blame? Do you make excuses? Do you feel sorry for yourself? Just become so conscious of those behaviors that you'll never go unconscious again. And lastly, you have to decide what emotions no longer belong in your future. That means if you want to be wealthy, you can't take lack. If you want to be healthy, you can't take insecurity or fear. You got to begin to condition your body to a new mind. Very practical, very helpful, very user-friendly. Anybody could understand that and go through the process. Next, Mr. Dispenza will talk about how to become supernatural. And I don't have a fucking clue what to say about that. So let's just listen in and see what kind of interesting material he has. I think um, we're living in such an amazing time right now. I mean, if you are not being challenged in some way in your life, you're not alive. And all of this is an initiation and I don't believe that you have to go to any school of ancient wisdom perched in the Himalayas or for information or training any longer. If you see your life as the school, as the initiation, then you can no longer be a victim to your life. You're going to have to meet the challenges in your life from a greater level of mind, greater than the mind that created it. And so... There have been plenty of peer-reviewed articles on the power of peace-gathering projects that lower crime, that lower trauma incidences of, of uh, death and, and economic growth. It's all related to what's happening right now for us. And it's not enough, though, for us to just focus on peace and expect the world to change because in the peace-gathering projects, when the event was over, a lot of the crime and violence returned back to its ceiling level again. It's more important for us not only to embody that peace and feel it, but then to demonstrate it. And when we begin to demonstrate it, I think we give people permission to do the same. That means that we can't be preaching peace and then be stuck in traffic and, you know, flipping people off or, you know, or arguing with your coworker. You don't get to stand up for peace if you have conflict in your life. So when we start, I believe, start that self-contemplative process of looking within and instead of judging someone or something, look to see if there's an aspect of ourselves within that person or within that situation that we may need to change. And if we're all doing that at the same time, something greater, a greater consciousness is going to emerge. And so I believe that it should never be about a person. It should be about principles. And when we stand up for principles, that creates community. Because you could be one belief or another belief, but if you're sharing the same principles, which are joy and freedom and cooperation and connection, that's what builds communities. So then, everything in our world right now is reminding us of separation. 
whether it's war, whether it's violence, whether it's uh, political deceit, whether it's prejudice, all of those things cause us to live by those stress hormones. And when we're living in that state of survival, we're not trusting and we become more selfish. So then, starting our day asking ourselves, what would be the greatest expression of myself I'd like to present to the world? And then making the choice to not get up until we are that person, I think that begins to demonstrate greatness. And when there is adversity and when there are challenges in our life, the question of course becomes, how do we become supernatural? And that means we're going to have to do what feels unnatural at first. When everybody else is in poverty and lack, that's the time to give. When everybody else is in fear and vigilance, that's the time to show courage. When people are angry and hating and prejudiced, that's the time to show compassion. When people are competing to rush to get to the top, that's the time to change your energy and draw the experience to you. And if you keep doing what's unnatural over and over again, sooner or later you're going to become supernatural. So do the unnatural to experience being supernatural. Interesting. A little woo-woo. It's kind of out there, a little eccentric, on the edge. I'm sure there's some science somewhere to back it up and what he's talking about, but it's a little out there, huh? But interesting. And it seems like it makes common sense, but still. Okay, the next information he is going to share with us is about making excuses and why you can't do that, bitch. Seriously, if you heard my last episode with David Goggins, you know making excuses is not acceptable. You have to get over making excuses. Take responsibility. Let's hear Joe Dispenza's spin on no excuses. There's another thing that you said that I thought was really powerful about how insights themselves are essentially inert. They don't do anything. Um, what, what then do we do with an insight? How do we take a breakthrough moment and make sure that it's not just a breakthrough moment? Like I guarantee people watching right now are having like a hundred aha moments for sure. That was definitely the case for me as I was researching you. And when you said that, and I was like, and that's the danger that you have the aha and then nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's a, it is a danger because then people will, will shrink back into mediocrity and they'll use the insight to excuse them from taking a leap. They'll say, yeah, you know, I have a chemical imbalance in my brain. Yeah. My father was really overbearing. He was a perfectionist. That's why I am the way I am. You know, people, they, they come up with stuff to, to excuse themselves. The insight is actually giving them permission to stay limited. And it's, 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 it's an amazing idea because they'll say to you that they really want to get over their anxiety. But let's, okay, let's take your ex-husband, let's put him in a straitjacket, let's duct tape him and shoot him to the moon. Now what? I mean, what are you going to do now? You still have to make those changes. And so then the person's enemy dies or uh, something shifts in their life uh, and that person's gone, they'll find another person to hate. This is just how we function as human beings. We just slide another uh, reason to feel those emotions. So I think, I think when people start to understand this, you know, I, I think knowledge is power, but knowledge about yourself is self-empowerment. So don't hang on to excuses that keep you performing the same bad habits over and over again. Try and change those. Be self-aware, because like he said, that's self-empowerment. And that's what we all want to be is self-empowered. 
get rid of those bad habits. What's causing it? What are the habits? What are the things you do over and over that repeatedly bring you to the same shitty spot in life where you don't want to be? All right. Take the steps. Make the change. All right. Next up, Mr. Dispenza is going to talk more about being present, truly present in your current moment, right here, right now, wherever you're at, when you're listening to this or in the future, if you need to be present. Let's listen up. I think that in order for us to truly change, we have to get beyond ourselves. And that is one of the arts of transformation. And when the moment we are completely in the present moment, we cannot be running a program. It turns out, coincidentally, when we're truly in the present moment, all possibilities in the quantum field exist in the eternal now. So when we're truly present and we take our attention off our body, off of people in our lives, off of things, off of places, and even time, that's the moment, as I said today, we become pure consciousness. That's the moment now we are no longer playing by the laws of Newtonian physics. That's the moment we no longer have our attention invested in this three-dimensional reality. And where we place our attention is where we place our energy. So then the moment we become nobody, no one, no thing, nowhere, and no time, that's the moment we get beyond ourselves. It is that act of being in the present moment that allows us to see new possibilities that we could never see from the place where we are stuck in our own programs and personality. The act of doing that, as Bruce said, is a skill. And it requires feedback. And feedback happens in a couple ways. One way you get feedback is to begin to measure the changes you see in your life. Another way is that you feel differently. Another way is that the voice in your head goes away. That's telling you you can, it's too hard, you'll never change. This process, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And yet we are piercing a veil where people are waking up and they're beginning to take their power back. We already innately know how to do this. All we have to do is keep practicing until we start seeing those wonderful, wonderful feedback mechanisms happening in our life. The moment you start seeing those changes taking place in your life, you are going to pay attention to what you did to cause it. And the moment you pay attention to the cause of that action, you're no longer thinking that it's something out there that did it. You're beginning to realize it's what you did inside of you to produce it. That's when we begin to take our power back. It really is terribly hard to dispatch from all of your thoughts about the past and the future and be completely and totally present with the stimulus of the moment that you're in. You may not realize it, but you're constantly thinking all the time, which limits you from being present at the moment and making any changes in your life. Try it. You'll see. Next up, Mr. Dispenza is going to keep us motivated to not give up and keep going. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. We have people that have been abused. We have people that have been traumatized, that have been um, assaulted. We have people that have had very, very difficult, difficult pasts. And have you ever heard me say to, to revisit the event 
Have you ever heard me say that? Never do we need to revisit the event because once you do, you open the box. But what we want to do is overcome the emotion because that's just what's lasting from the event. Living in guilt or grief or shame or unworthiness. I had someone tell me they lost a loved one the other day. And I said, well, okay. How long have you been grieving? Oh, about a year. Really? Okay, well, suppose it was you that left and you were looking at the person you love moping around for a year. What would you say to them after a year if you truly love them? Get over it and have a happy life. I'm doing great. You should make yourself happy. You really love me? Live a happy life. That would be the greatest testament of love for each other. Because if you're suffering, then I, uh, you know, you're making this hard on me. And so then we always have to update our versions about reality because it's the only way that we adapt. Don't believe everything you've read or heard. It just may not be the truth. There's always a greater truth that you and I can begin to investigate. Surely someone in eternity has had a similar problem as you and I and have gotten beyond it. Yes or no? Yes. So study that person. You want to be wealthy? Study wealthy people. Don't just have some panacea that you're just going to get wealthy. Read about wealthy people and find out that they lost everything and failed miserably 20, 50 times. But what they had as a, a characteristic, a quality in their personality is they were persistent and they kept changing and they kept forgiving and letting go of the past and kept going. And sooner or later they ran into it and when they had all the money they wanted, it was never about the money. It was just about that they could prove to themselves that they can do it. And you and I are no different than that. But if you can't create a future because of some emotion that keeps you in the past, you're going to have to square off with that emotion. And when you sit down and your body has all those physical sensations and it's getting vigilant and it wants to get up and it wants to move and, and you're just going, wow. And you're settling it down and you're working with it. you got to agree with me. It's something greater in you is climbing out of that body. Something greater in you is awakening. And when you're able to overcome those emotions, truly break the addiction, don't you know that you'll return back to your life and face the person that betrayed you? And you will see a part of yourself that you used to be that you no longer are, and you're not going to have anything else but love for them. In fact, you're going to have compassion for them because you're going to realize how stuck they are, and you're liberated and free. That is something that would be very difficult to do, sitting with bad emotions, feelings, thoughts, behaviors, trying to get them to change, facing those fears. Yeah, that's rough stuff. But if you really want change, like he said, you have to square off with the enemy. Eventually, you have to face it. Okay, next up. You may be in a shitty environment. You may hate the place that you're at, but you got to raise your vibration and your mental state. Good Lord, Mr. Dispenza, how the hell do we do that? If you think about this, your senses plug you into your external environment. Everything you're seeing or smelling or tasting or feeling or hearing, all of your five senses are affecting your brain. So if you're waking up in the morning and you're going through the same routine behaviors as you did the day before, 
and you're not in the process of being defined by a vision of the future, then you're for the most part left with the old hardware in your brain from the past. As a matter of fact, your brain is organized to reflect everything you know from the past. So as people wake up and they begin to pay attention to their body, they start to look around in their environment, they start to do typical things, it's the external environment that's turning on different circuits in their brain, causing them to think equal to their environment. And if you have the idea that your thoughts have something to do with your destiny, as long as you're thinking equal to your environment, you keep creating the same reality over and over again. So to change is to think greater than your environment to think greater than the circumstances in your world, to think greater than the conditions in your life. And I think every great person in history understood this. They were defined by a vision that was much bigger than that. So have a vision. Chase that vision. Be your own hero. Be the person that you always wanted to be. You got to stay in the race. You can't just give up and sit down. You've got to have some kind of a goal or a vision of where you're heading and then always have action behind that so you can get there. Makes perfect sense. Next up, Mr. Dispenza is going to share with us his wisdom on how to chase your passion in life. I always love to hear people's perspective on this and Mr. Dispenza is no exception. What's the impact that you want to have on the world? Uh, I think that the end game for me is to empower people to such a degree that they realize that they need less things outside of them to make them happy, uh, less things outside of them to regulate their moods and their behaviors, and that they begin to use that kind of the power that we all have access to and and to really uh, and to change the world, to make a difference so that uh, there's more peace, there's more wholeness, there's more connection, that we support and love each other, we serve better, uh, and and I think that we have to start uh, for the most part if everybody's working on themselves and uh, and uh, uh, trying doing their best to present the greatest ideal of themselves to the world. Uh, I think the world will be a better place, and so uh, that's my passion, and and I'm witnessing it happening now uh, uh, more than I ever thought I would. So, Mister Dispenza, what great knowledge you have, sir! It's amazing. His uh, clear, undisputed knowledge of neurology and plasticity and how to change the mind is just breathtaking to me. I love listening to any lecture that he gives, any podcast he's on, and there is tons of material for this guy. If you search his name on the Internet, you will find tons of videos on YouTube, tons of podcasts that he's in. So... If you're interested for more material, do that or check out his books. He has some great ones. Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, Becoming Supernatural, Evolve Your Brain, You Are the Placebo. There's audiobooks too. If you just absolutely hate reading like me and you like to listen to your audio, then get it in the audiobook format and you can listen to the wisdom of this man. He almost seems like he's religious or like a saint, but he never speaks about religion. But he's so just whole and pure with his message and what he is wanting to do to help fix this world and help other people. Gotta admire the guy for that. Freaking one hell of a dude. Much better man than me, I must say. 
Well, I shouldn't say that. He's not a better man than me. He's just a much nicer man than me. All right. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of another Keeping It Real. So thank you for joining in, you beautiful motherfuckers out there in podcast land. I'm always glad that you join in and give me a listen. As always, I ask, do me a favor, drop in, give me a rating, five star please. I would love that. And if you can, take the time to give a review. Tell me what you think. Give me some advice. What I could do better to make you more happy. And for now, that's it. We'll see you guys and gals next time. Take care. Keeping it real. Do not consider these episodes as medical advice or expertise in any area. I do deconstruct some experts and their material and deliver it to you. But please do all of this at your own risk.